Welcome to the Camp 4 Human Performance Podcast, the official podcast of Camp 4 Human Performance, a climbing company started by Dr. Tyler Nelson, designed to give you the most practical, up-to-date, and usable information on climbing training, rehabilitation, and performance. We've been away for a while, but for good reason, the Camp 4 team has been steady kind of working on some projects. We are into our new CAM4 Performance Certification course. We just had two excellent weekends in New York and in Arizona. This weekend, if you're catching this podcast early, we're going to be in Nashville. And the following weekend, we're going to be in California. This course is designed to give youth competitive coaches the confidence, skills, and knowledge they need to marry the fitness and the skills world. That way, training for strength endurance and power programming exercises and more importantly coaching cueing and thinking critically on your feet will become second nature after the certification course we should all know very well by now that strength training is essential for the developing youth athlete not only to aid in some performance but to help prevent injury to help with growth to help with motor control skill acquisition and confidence being a strong and capable human being so that's the goal behind our new certification course so we are still looking to fill up the calendar for 2023 and looking towards 2024 for host facilities so if you are a head coach or part of a staff that is looking to level up and join the next level of care and coaching for the youth competitive athlete. That link to the course for our website and to schedule a call to host us will be in the show notes and found on our website, camp4humanperformance.com. Additionally, we've been working on our YouTube game. So if you haven't seen it already, we've launched our first YouTube video that we've put a little bit of effort into and we are continuing to do so diving into this long form content that we can really add a lot of detail and visualizations to the concepts that we're trying to teach here at camp for humor performance. So if you haven't seen it already, hop over to our YouTube channel, like subscribe, do all those things because your support means the world to us. And it's going to help get our information in front of other like-minded climbers to help them achieve their goals and do so in a healthier variety. And the final announcement, coming up soon, we are gonna be launching our Patreon page. These membership tiers are gonna come with some pretty awesome exclusive content just for our patrons. So make sure you stay tuned. So now let's get to the good stuff. What you've been here for with this episode where Coach Jay Fire is gonna lead the team on talking about what we've been doing for our training. Also what we've been adding to our training as a result from lessons learned from the past and some other topics regarding some key training elements that we think most climbers are doing wrong or what we think climbers should be thinking about integrating into their training. The weather's getting nice, so it might be a little too late to involve these factors or elements into an off-season training, but the principles are still gonna be really important as you move forward forward with your in-season and for the next off-season. So without further ado, let's just jump into this episode with Coach Jay Fire leading the way on this discussion. Let's get it.
So I brought five questions um, to kind of guide us a little bit so we don't get too far in the weeds. So uh, question number one, what are you guys doing for training? It's uh, it's September now, so we're a little late for off-season training, but hopefully this is still useful in the future for people too. So Colin, you want to kick us off? What are you doing Yes, right sir. Now? So yeah, I think it's good just to, you know, even though we're late to give proactive advice, it's good to reflect. And so this podcast and the listeners can use this similarly to reflect on what you did and what you can kind of do right now. Um, so I'd say I've been actually more consistent with some strength training and simplifying it. Um, you know, I come from a very vast background of too many certifications and things and stuff. And you kind of want to do everything. You're like, I have 60 minutes. How do I do my mobility and my flexibility and this and that and my whatever. And you realize you can't do it all. And so I just kind of sucked it up for a little bit. I'm like, I'm going to do, well, I'm going to program me like I program my clients that I work with. I want to start them off incredibly simple. I want to blow them away almost in a bad sense initially where they're like, wait, is this enough? Just to prove to myself that I can stick to something, be consistent and show up week after week after week. And if anything, earn a little bit more maybe an extra exercise, maybe an extra specific mobility. Even if I maybe need that shoulder or something, I'm not going to do it. I want to see, can I do a deadlift, a dumbbell row and a pull up with my finger training and climbing consistently for three or four weeks? If yes, I've earned the right to think about doing more. But if I can't even so do cool. four exercises, um, I don't think I deserve to overthink it. So long story short i've been really good just doing like a good five to six rep deadlift push pull single leg something push pull getting my finger work in getting some the slow heavy coordination climbing in between that that's for the past like few weeks and now that i'm probably i was talking to jesse a little bit before this pretty psyched on some of my bouldering projects that are coming up and with the wet it's like 96 right now in pennsylvania so it's not exactly getting me hyped up for September, <laughs> but, uh, these things are really, really tiny on the crimps and really, really compressiony and, uh, have some intense sloper top outs. So now I've shifted, you know, my coordination climbing and my intentional practice that I've learned a lot from Jesse to meet those needs. Because the very first time I went out bouldering in the spot, I learned the hard way about slopers and topping out. And I, like sublux my wrist pretty badly like it popped. still finished it but i was like okay i need to you know because I've, I've only ever been vertical wall climbing crimp 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 crimp. my wrist is perfectly vertical all the time as soon as i had to actually get angry and wrist flex yeah i uh, i lost to the rocks so now i think that's where i'm at right now i've i've convinced myself i can stick to something simple i'm getting stronger i'm feeling better now I can tailor it a little bit more to what I expect to be on in the next month or two. So when you were when you were limiting it to like three or four exercises, what uh what were the three or four that you were doing? Um, so I did I had two days a week, and I my goal was like four to six exercises. I would do a deadlift, like a dumbbell row, and maybe a pull up, and then the other three exercises maybe it was like a hamstring machine curl, bicep curls. And some other, maybe like a landmine press, like a 45 degree pushing, just to give me a little bit of big muscle mass, heavy things. And then the second set was a little bit more accessory, a little bit more climbing specific with the hamstring curl, knee flexion kind of stuff. 
And I would either do that in a pot. I was very flexible where I would do that together, like only one to two sets, six reps, nothing more than that. If I was, I would set a timer too. I would try to be like, Hey, I have 40 minutes to get these things done. Like no TikTok, no dilly dallying, don't check emails. Um, but then sometimes I would also hybridize it where maybe I would spend, I get a timer, like 15 to 20 minutes on the wall doing my work, then go lift for my rest, come back to the wall, kind of check hmm. in and see how I feel. And I would do that. And then on days where I was off the wall, I would do fingers. So maybe I would do my overcoming isometrics for a few sets, then do my lift, come back for a second round of overcoming isometrics, finish up my lift, done day. So my goal was if I can be in and out in like 60 to 70 minutes, I was streamlining my work and doing this with the tin deck. And I have an app that I record my weight. So I was trying to be as real uh, using real-time feedback and as objective about my efforts and my progress week to week. Nice. Yeah. Super organized. For the first time ever. (laughs) And there's something, there's something cool about the compassion of, um, writing yourself a plan the way that your clients have to execute on it too. Cause I feel like I, you know, I have like a wall in my garage, so my life is a lot more convenient than my clients. So I've been trying, I've been going to the gym and lifting there and climbing there and stuff. And part of that is to remind myself what it's like to have to climb in a gym with like kids running around and stuff. Cause I forget, you know, and I, it's important to be compassionate to that when you're writing training plans for people. Yeah. You're spoiled. You just can't <laughs> For sure. For sure. You 100%. did. What's your training look like right now, Tyler? So my my training has been vastly different than it has in the last bunch of years. And it's been not going to the gym at at all cost. You know, I've been trying to utilize the flexibility that I have with my scheduling to my benefit where I just realized that I don't know if we talked about this in person or on maybe the last time when we tried to do the podcast, like my performance when I went to Squamish and climbed with you, I could tell was just a lack of not being outside enough, just like simple as that. So, and that is not because I didn't have the time. It's just like a, you know, you just kind of get into a habit where you prioritize things and I work so much and get busy and it's just fast to go to the gym and it seems convenient, but it is just not the same thing. So I have not gone to the gym. Well, I went to the gym yesterday because it rained really hard with my friend but I have not gone to the gym at all since I've been home and been climbing outside two or three, you know, sometimes four days per week, like where I normally would have my session, but I've tried to fit in like the two hour, two and a half hour session and the weather hasn't been the best. And so I've been going out and doing all the amazing V four through six problems here that I've actually never even climbed on and doing awkward top outs and climbing slab problems and, like doing all the things that I typically don't get very much of. And it's been fantastic. It's been fun. I've I've been saying I've been falling in love with rock climbing again, you know, instead of just going out and trying to like push yourself at your limit all the time, it's been great to go just explore things and top out boulders and like have a shit ton of fun. So getting some rock sense. It's so it's been amazing. It, I mean, it's like the cool part of climbing is I can ask, what are you doing for training right now? And I can get a fully weight room answer from Colin and a fully rock climbing only on actual rock answer from Tyler. And they both qualify as training for climbing. Um, and it's, it's been like a month since we, since that Squamish trip, Tyler. Yeah. yeah. So are you feeling like, uh, more fluid and, and better? Well, for sure. Like, and just like topping out, like I've been posting some videos doing like taller V5 top outs and taller V4 top outs that are like, just boulders that I've walked by, never done for the sake of just being like, oh, I'm, we're going to go do something harder, right? Not 
but that's like a big mistake I've realized now. And I, because I haven't been bouldering that long, mostly just trad climbing before I went to graduate school, it's been 10 years since I've been out. So I was like four years of four to five years of like school focused stuff, mostly in a gym since I've been back starting a business, like not prioritize spending a lot of time outside just for obvious reasons. Like my ability to like be bold and climb on rocks skills has dropped a lot, you know, and that's just a function of not using shitty granite feet and trusting that it's there and knowing there's a handhold, like just all the awareness, like I've lost a lot of that, you know? And so gaining that back has been my priority since um, being in Squamish. And it's amazing how quick it comes back, but it's just been, it's been really fun. So, but any other training I've been doing, I've been doing a little bit of training, but any finger training has been prior to climbing each day or in the session. If the session is like not intense on my fingers, I'll, you know, use my Tindek, uh, at the crag and then just do some strength training and then i've been doing benching and squatting and straight arm hang stuff but that's pretty much it for my training it's nice very efficient yeah trying to trying to understand that like i don't i don't need a lot of strength training based on my mechanics and you know my background of training like i just need some maintenance stuff and that's pretty much it for me yeah you and i are like almost almost perfect like uh flipped analogs like i'm i'm fairly strength training like weak i don't have as much of a of a weight room training history as you do um but i have like a massive uh bouldering pyramid like i've done so many moderate boulders so that that like skill component is really high for me and like you'd expect my training is like the opposite of yours so i've i've been like barely climbing at all this summer i've been spending almost all my time in the weight room and climbing like one or two days a week uh, actually outside almost always one day a week outside. And then if I get another climbing day, if I, if I climb in the gym, maybe I'll climb some gym boulders, but most of it's been like the finger coordination style on the home wall. Yeah. Um, yeah. But now, maybe, now I'm starting to climb outside a little more, but maybe a caveat for me too, cause I did a podcast, a couple of podcasts recently, um, with the struggle and with, uh, training beta about like finger coordination stuff and, you know, a lot of the narrative maybe that people think I'm suggesting is to never use a fingerboard, that it's like this bad thing to use a fingerboard, but that's absolutely not what I'm suggesting. It's more like the timing for doing it. Cause I actually have been using a fingerboard more now in the last month than I have in years. And that's really because I've been going out and climbing moderate boulders. They haven't been that hard on my fingers, but when the weather gets colder, I want to have that stiffness, that positional stiffness on my fingers, but I haven't been going, going to the gym and I don't have my office wall anymore since I sold my space. So on those same days, later in the day, I will go do 10 mil full cramp hangs for like, you know, three to four seconds and do like four reps and then rest and then do like maybe five to six sets of that simply to keep that stiffness in my fingers and just like, you know, make sure I can do that when the season starts again. So it's like a really good explain or really good like way to describe like how you could use a tool that would benefit you the athlete instead of just thinking that you always have to use the tool right because i'm i'm getting a lot of the conditioning on my skin by being outside but i'm not cranking on small holds yet because it's not that standing it's still warm yeah it's still warm practicing my footwork and mobility stuff i think of that as like for for myself and for my clients i think of that as kind of like a backstop so like if you if you have a home wall or if you have easy access to a spray wall then you can do your coordination training on that if you're not getting it for something else and that's like your backstop for your finger strength basically but if you have a fingerboard you can still get that training for something else and that's your that's your backstop you just don't like don't let your finger training slide any further back than that but a fingerboard is a totally reasonable 
thing to use for that, in my opinion. For sure. And then, well, in that context, the fingerboard would be the coordination, positional stiffness stuff on the pulleys. And then the stuff that I'm doing in the warm up is the recruitment stuff. So it's yeah. like, you can't just have one because the fingerboarding, even on a 10 mil, is not that much intensity where I still need to get the stimulus that's intense and then the positional stress. Sounds like you're doing that too, Colin. Yeah. In the warm up yeah. stuff. Yeah. Any part of the warm up or even, it, you know, kind of, flexible wise on the hangboard or not knowing that i'm going to be crimping hard coming up soon maybe it's the first five or ten minutes maybe i'll go on the spray wall and i'll just do some really slow climbing there i'll just do static holds but i'll just get really comfortable like bearing down in a safe environment where i'm not outside about to blow a foot and having that anxiety about it because i'm outside maybe a little higher up and you kind of kill a few birds of one stone because I'm controlling the environment. I can crimp harder. I'm mentally more comfortable in that environment. So I can do a lot more. The sets, are, sets and reps are easier to manage. And so I think I have that as like a priority. Of like, I know I'm going to need this. Worst case scenario, use the hangboard. Or if you have access to some smaller edges and things, I get it done. And then I can go into the meat and potatoes of whatever I was going to do that day too. Maybe it's some repeats or, or whatever, but I'm, not gonna let i'm not gonna find out the hard way this year that i wasn't prepared let's put it that way right right do you guys have anything that you're training for any specific goals or or things that you're you're shooting for i mean when the weather's not almost 100 degrees i guess <laughs> yeah um piggybacking off of tyler i think and you know learning from you as well i'm very excited to do all the zeros and the ones and stuff right because i i always walk by these things i'm like yeah who wants to do that boulder? Because I similarly got to, like, I'm very competitive. I want to see what I have in me. And climbing has numbers. And the higher the number goes, that is my rating on myself. But you learn a little bit. You suck up the ego. and Like, oh, okay, that's not the best way to get better. That's not the best way to see your full potential. It's by becoming a better climber. So I think I have a two-part goal where I do have um that v4 that your friend flashed on me from washington <laughs> sent me that video or sent me that video um there's a another v5 that i want to do that i think actually will go better than the v4 because it fits me better um but then i want to not walk by all the zeros and ones and so like you suggest every time i'm out there i want to get to the top of something new and i want to make sure i kind of cover my volume appropriately appropriately by learning all the skills that I can acquire from the the zeros, ones, and twos that will ultimately make me, you know, a better four or five plus climber. So nice. I think my goals are twofold there. Yeah. You have a qualitative goal. You want to, you want to get a lot of volume, but you want to climb well on those easy problems. That's, that's cool. Right. Yeah. I have a few things, not in, not really like, um, hard project goals. I think there's some in that steeper area in Ogden that I've been that I perform well at just because it requires more muscle, just steeper climbing. So there's a V11 there that I was like uh, getting on last season that like I for sure can do. So I'll probably go do that and maybe repeat that V10 in that same cave. I've been enjoying like when I, what's been cool about like climbing here locally is even if it's like a V6, that's like you know granite style I'll just like repeat it a couple times you know once you do it like do it i'll do it like two or three more times in a row just to like obviously for all the movement skill stuff but for the confidence and the footwork like i think there's i've yep. gotten tons of value out of that so i'll go do that in ogden there's a couple things in joe's that i'm pretty psyched on doing as well but i'll probably spend most of my time locally and here there's the grades won't be as hard for me because i'm not as good at that style but there's like 
a V8 highball that I would like to do that is easily top rope, that blue steel thing that I showed you. Like, I think stylistically, mm -hmm. like I'm good at lie backing. Like, I think that's for sure one that I can do. Um, and that would be a good, nice. like, like, you know, head game thing for me. turns out because of my trad climbing background, I'm actually pretty good at top outs, like mentally, like I'm, I'm actually like, I'm one of those people that performs well when they're under pressure. Um, so I would like to do, maybe do that thing. And there's another V7 high ball, like not high, not as high ball, but like hard top out that I would like to do um, locally that I've tried a couple of times and like tweak the shit out of my back falling off this thing. So I'd like to go back and do that. <laughs> nice. A revenge send. I got yeah, one of those I mean, on my list too. I want to do that. Yeah, yeah, that for I put sure. my wrist on. Yeah, for sure. So I would like to go do that thing. And, but all this practice kind of leading up to it, you know, would be great to like be able to be more comfortable, you know, over there pending that my hip doesn't get pissed like it did last time. Yeah. Yeah. You want to, you definitely want to be like feeling really smooth on the, on the wall before you go for something that's potentially risky or dangerous like that. For sure. I'm that, getting, that a, V8 getting or that. MRI. I'm getting another MRI on Friday. Oh, on your hip? On my hip. Yeah. I'm getting R3. I'm on the hip just to see what the hell's going on. It's, it's been irritating me enough that like, it's kind of the story where you train for something and then it knocks you down. Then you have to back off and head's done that the last three seasons in a row. Right. And to the point where this year I'll probably just get a steroid injection and, you know, it's progressively not going to get that much worse based on what the statistics show. So I'm just probably going to get a steroid injection and climb through it and not worry about it this season. So, yeah. Gosh, Are you, that blue steel boulder is pretty sick, right? I'm sorry if I interrupt. Oh yeah. I was going to say, if it's you know if there's like a great weekend in salt lake i'll uh i'll just cruise down there no it's way too dude. far to salt lake but i've always wanted to do that boulder for sure dude you would cruise that boulder it's it's so pretty for sure it's, it's awesome the top out is not hard it's like the middle part is the crux the top out is a, they say like a v4 top out okay you know it's just like you would do very well at the top out it's just like a sloper with a heel most people don't even use the heel they'll just like smear the side of their foot yeah. and then press yeah you put your, actually put your toe because when you put a heel on a mantle like that if anything yeah. slips or goes wrong it's very hard to get your feet underneath you when you fall so a toe yeah, most like... people just scum it and slam their leg on and pull but i've actually learned for me like topping out like mantling is pretty easy because i have short arms yeah like if i can get my arms here i can like I can press up really easily. It's really just getting my leg up with my hips. Yeah, that's sure. hard, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so what about, what about you? What are your goals? Yeah. Goals with the wrist? the wrist? I'm still trying to climb V13. So that's my, that's my forever goal. Um, but my, my goal for the season is I think in general to try to, I was saying the other day to try to send a little bit less. Cause I, it's very easy for me to get sucked into just doing a lot of volume of like kind of hard stuff, um, which is, is super fun. And I'm lucky to have a lot of kind of hard stuff around where I live. Um, but I'll kind of, I'll kind of get sucked into doing things that take me like one or two days to do. And, um, I don't think I am getting better at climbing doing that. So like, for me, that's like V like eight, nine, 10, boulders I can usually do in a day or two and I'll just keep going back to those boulders and, and doing them you know in a day or and then I'll be like oh I'll go do this next one and then next week I'll go do this next one but that's not like challenging me as much anymore and I think if I do want to do harder boulders um I need to fail more so I think my goal for the season is to send less that's my that's the most succinct way I can put it um and I think to do that I also want to keep strength training twice a week during the season, which I've never done before. I've always cut my strength training down to like absolutely minimum 10 reps of each exercise one day. 
um, you know, three, four exercises, something I can do in like less than an hour and doesn't give me a lot of fatigue. And I think this year I'm going to try to keep doing basically all the same movements I've been doing during the off season and I'll still cut my volume. Um, but then I'll only climb outside probably two days a week, most of the time. And then when the weather's really good, I'll probably climb outside three days a week and get a little more tired. You know, in my, in my view, you know, that means I'll do less climbing this season, but I'll be able to make it more intense. And also mm-hmm. I'm adding day, I'm taking days away from this season for that strength training, but I feel like I'm adding days, good days in my forties and fifties. Uh-huh. Cause I'm going to be 37, like in a month and I'm slowing down. And I, I can tell that extending the career is now becoming ju- just as important or more important than, uh, extending the season. Yeah. So. I think, I think dropping your climbing volume too, will also allow you to kind of equalize that with the strength training, right? So you'll do less so. climbing volume, which is less stressful on the wrist too, where you can supplement that with like the strength stuff. Yeah. I think I've had sense. like, I got back from font in, in June and I've had like 26 days in the weight room or something like that. And, and fewer days climbing. And I feel like a superhero right now. Like I'm, I'm not climbing super well yet. I know I will be later in the season, but it just feels so good to, to like feel more solid. Cause I, right. ju- I was just climbing outside and I wasn't taking protein and I was in France. So I was like drinking a lot of wine and I was like not recovering well and eating a very low protein French diet of like croissants. <laughs> And I got so detrained and weak. God damn. <laughs> I've been joking with people when they like see what I've been doing for training. I'm like, I'm trying to stretch my arm. Just like I'm just hanging with one arm, just trying to make it like a little bit longer. <laughs> nice. nice. I think outside the box. Um, you talked about this a little bit, Tyler, but uh, my next question for you guys was, what is something in your training that's different from previous off seasons or, or then uh, different from last summer? For me, it was definitely the lessons I've learned working with uh, you, Jesse, coming out of it is being so much more intentional. It kind of brings me back to like my baseball days back when I was good. I, uh, my sophomore year of high school, got like a sports psychology book and all this stuff. I was really just into it deeper than physical. Not that I said the physical was not important, but when I took intentional practice and like the momentum stuff is one of the bigger things that's opened up like video game, like Xbox achievements kind of pop over my screen. I have like momentum unlocked and there's all these types of things where now that I'm outside, I think I am quicker to pick up the necessary for me movements to get the beta done and to get to the top where before I was just, I'm strong, but I didn't really have a purpose with my strength. And so maybe if I take myself right now, flashback to this V4 problem that I've been slapping at, and I have tons of video online about me slapping and failing and failing, maybe it takes me less time because I'll be able to pick something up a little quicker. I'll be able to feel that, you know, that ping pong that we talked about and where I need to go and be able to increase the quality of my attempts. Um, So I think the biggest thing for me going into this year is just being really, really thoughtful. I feel like my foot placement's better. I'm more confident. It takes me one time to figure things out. Or if it's a complicated sequence, I'm quicker at figuring out. And now I think all of my strength and my power, which you know, thankfully from my other sports backgrounds comes really easily for me, will translate a lot better. And I don't have to be as flailing around, so to speak. So I think that's the biggest thing that I'm going to take into this season is just 
being a more skillful, thoughtful client. Yeah, the the to elaborate a little bit on the momentum, the ping pong thing you're talking about, just for the listener, like basically it's this concept of um, the popular idea of momentum is like you 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 move really powerfully and you like pull really hard on the holds, but actually in terms of the skill, the point of developing momentum as a climber is to be able to move your center of mass away from the hold or away from the wall in some other direction so that you can then spring towards the hold and like understanding those trajectories, like where do I need to sink into my legs or where do I need to like move away from the hold so that I get some of that stretch reflex in my muscles and I can generate more power. Like basically the more you can use your mass to your advantage, the less you actually have to be powerful. That's how a scrawny motherfucker like me can, oops, sorry. I should <laughs> the podcast. Anyways, that's how a guy like me can be, can look really powerful on the wall is basically that ability. But the bigger you are, the more you need to be able to use that mass to your advantage. Cause the more costly it is, if it moves in a trajectory, that's not beneficial uh, to the move. So, right. Yeah. It's like night and day when I do it poorly and I feel like, wow, I'll never be able to hold on to that thing. But then I get into a better position and I have an absolute vice grip. I'm like, oh, I'll never let go of this. And so having those aha moments have been really helpful. Yeah, cool. It's a, like a climbing efficiency thing. It's energy energy saving thing as well. You use less energy when you can store it in your tendons, you know, with using yeah. your momentum better. Uh, is it my term? You really just call yeah, it. What's different? Different about your training. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's different about your training, Tyler? That's fantastic. I'm going to try and stay away from the gym all fall. Is really what my tactics are for this fall. Like, you know, I realize like climbing V8 and V9 on the tension board, I can do like pretty easily within a session. But when I chatted with you about doing that, you're like, that's really hard. I was like, no, that's really easy. Like this shit is way harder. Right. And so it's like, (laughs) for me, I don't really need to do that. And I love that board and I will still like, you know, train my fingers on it when I need to. But I think on the whole, as I've already mentioned, like my goals are mostly just like spending as much time as I can outside when I can climb. And then if I'm not going outside, I'm, you know, going to do a very small amount of training just when I'm at work, but going to try and just prioritize exploring as much as I can outside. So cool. Seems like you and I are both trying to consciously avoid what we're already really good at a little bit. Yeah. I mean, like before I went to graduate school, like my life was all climbing outside. I was such a better rock climber when I was doing that. And I just like, based on having family and a job and a business to start, like I just haven't had the time to do that until now, but now I have the time and my business is pretty stable. I can do that. Like I need to do that. Like that's the real slap in the face that I had. So like, that's, that's my number one objective. That's rad. But still Uh, some YouTube videos. I'm going to actually try and get away from Instagram, like, and do YouTube videos. I'm kind of over that platform. I'm sick of looking at it myself. Like I'll still maybe repost things and use it briefly, but I'm going to try and focus on longer, better quality content videos with you all's help. So. And I've got some pretty uh, Instagram clips made from those videos for you. If you oh, cool. check the folder. Oh, yeah. They're all done for you. I guess. We just got to find a way to put the donut, light, the donut light in all of the videos somehow. <laughs> we'll find the setting. We'll figure yeah. it out. Um, sick. little teaser for the people. Um, Sneak peek. Subscribe. I have, a, I have a much more concrete answer to this question than you guys. Because the main thing I'm doing in my training, and and this is something I totally would have made fun of uh, before I started doing it really often, is I've just been doing like exercise snacks, uh, like five minute all out interval training on my on some of my rest days, um, and it's awesome. 
like I, I was so I was so unfit when I came back from from Europe. Um, and I noticed like, you know, if I was if I was hiking in with a heavy load with like a couple pads and I had to like go up a very brief hill, I'd be totally out of breath, you know, and I don't do a ton of cardio in general. I do more in the summer. So I've been like hiking and stuff, too. But I've just been doing like, you know, AMRAP burpees of like 20 seconds on 10 seconds off or like kettlebell snatch 20 seconds on 10 seconds off stuff like that for four minutes on a rest day because it's such a low volume that it totally waxes you in four minutes but I I'm recovered from it the next day I don't notice any like nor any regular like fatigue or, or anything like that and I definitely notice the difference um when I have to do some short burst activity like whatever that whatever that metabolic like zone is for me was something that was totally lacking in my training before um and it doesn't seem to interfere with my with my climbing training or anything. I'm not like fatigued from it at all. So that's been a really interesting thing to play around with. Um, and did you read? Did you read that paper? Is that a Galpin quote from the Huberman Lab thing? Uh, I there was a paper. To the there was a paper lab, done. I've read the paper. Oh, okay, yeah, a paper really... done about it. Yeah, and that's the one that he's citing. I forget who yeah. it was, but he cites a paper that someone did where they did that in like office workers, and they found that like all of their like resting metabolic rates were better and all their cardiac output was yeah. better and their stroke volume like was improved all just from like, cause it's like general population, like sitting on our apps yeah. all day, talking on the phone yep. you're like, Hey, you need to get up and like get your heart rate going. Right. So, but yeah, that's it's cool. been that so was, good for my, yeah. for my stress level. Like, cause yeah. especially here in the Northwest, like it's fucking smoky outside all summer. I can't go for a walk around the block. And if it wasn't smoky, it'd be a hundred degrees. So like I can go in my garage for four minutes and do burpees and i and for those five well i mean really 10 minutes because i have to lay on the floor for five minutes afterwards so really like <laughs> that's like a 10 minute just like i am not thinking about anything else i'm not thinking about my work i'm not thinking about you know clients or like taxes or any of that stuff it's just like the world evaporates completely which is really uh, really nice september's taxes forgot about that and i have one other one one other thing bike is good for that's why they call it the assault bike oh yeah wow. <laughs> arms and legs just like, yeah just like those are hardcore yeah, when in doubt, burpees. Burpees require no no equipment. <laughs> Let me care. especially like. Um, but if you're a climber with elbow and shoulder pain, don't do burpees as your F. No, God, no. I'll fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Nope. Stop yeah. on the old spin bike. Good enough there too. But I mean, yeah, I, I have be a movement too. Has that been right? okay on your wrist? Um. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My wrist is is good to go with with pushups oh. and stuff like that now. Yeah. It's actually actually yesterday I climbed a problem where I held an undercling like over my head like. Oh, uh, I posted on Instagram and I didn't even tape my wrist. I was like, yeah, hell yeah. That's a rehab <laughs> checkpoint. Yeah. There. Cool. Yeah. I'm psyched. Um, I have one other one that I'm doing differently, which is, uh, I don't drink a ton of alcohol, but I do like to have a beer every once in a while. And I, this year I've been, or this training season, I've only been drinking, um, if I didn't climb or lift weights that day. So like the, the AMRAP days, the exercise snack days, that's fine. But otherwise it has to be like basically a full rest day for me to have a drink and I really only ever have one drink. So that results in like a one drink a week or less. And man, that's, that's been much easier for me than just saying like, I can only drink on Fridays or I like can't drink at all or anything like that. Cause I, I have a hard time sticking with those rules. But uh, mm -hmm. if I go to the gym and I invest all this time training, it's a lot easier for me to be like, well, this is a training day. I put that effort in. So I'm not going to sabotage myself by, by drinking afterwards. Yeah. It really ruins my recovery. So, were you going to add something, Colin? um a little on this is the movement thing i think because you touched on but the philosophy of maybe doing things out of a hyper specific training plan 
right? So maybe something that we might not immediately program for our clients and whatnot when it came to training and tapering and optimizing and all this, like go out and move. Because if you're part of a general population that we tend to be and you work, like ourselves included, we probably don't move as much as we could. And we undervalue cardio at low intensities and at high intensities. And it kind of smacks us in the face until... Like mine is always because it takes me every year. I used to go a lot more often, but we went to the New River Gorge and then, you know, the 40 minute approach way down this thing. I'm like, shit, I got to go back up this thing to get back to the car. Ugh, I just like fall into the lake a little bit, cool down. All right, all right, climb a little bit. But you're like, oh, yeah, cardio and things and stuff. Like being a well rounded human goes a very long way. Um, yeah. And I don't know if anyone's still in the whole realm of like cardio kills your gains thing or whatnot, but. Like it's yeah, no, 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 no. You know, being a really healthy human goes a long way for being a, a good climber and a, a career climber too. So yeah. And the if cool you're doing thing any here, kind of climbing that has approaches, you need to be able to do the approach and still be like not a puddle when sure. you get there. So I'll have some of my clients actually hike with a pack on like a stairmaster before their sessions for like rocky season, right? You gotta like it's like an exercise in itself to get your ass out there. And then you gotta try hard, like yeah you definitely have to prepare for that but the interference effect is kind of an old idea too you know and right. like when people do the both those things the aerobic stuff in the morning or before is usually the best and then strength training later in the day is what's a lot of suggestions yeah. are isn't the general isn't the general uh consensus of the science that like strength training benefits cardio a lot more than cardio benefits strength training isn't that like yeah. the general yeah well and the other thing that galpin would say in those um talks with andrew huberman is like the the ends of the spectrum are kind of like the, you know, long, uh, steady state endurance. And then like the high intensity stuff, like you can't just have, you can't just have one, you want both, especially if people are yeah. out climbing or if they have big days outside where it really depends. Like for what I do is like the boulders are really close. It's not that much work to get to them. I probably don't need as much of a capacity as someone that has to walk into, you know, Rocky mountain national park to actually go to the boulders. Right. And so what you don't want to do is, wreck yourself thinking that you need so much of this stuff for something that doesn't require that too. So it's got to be like a bit of a balance. So people understand that. So they don't just, cause that's what I would do when I was younger is just so much stuff. I was just fucking just tired all the time, just tired yeah. all the time. So none of my, you know, like athletic endeavors were at their peak because I was other than like Alpine trad climbing. Cause that's kind of what it requires. But I try to think in terms of like replacing. So one thing I've done a couple of times this summer is, uh, I often go to the gym with like my friends and my and my wife. And if I if the smoke is really bad and we haven't been climbing outside and I haven't been doing any approaches, then like when everybody else is is climbing still and I'm like, okay, I've like I can tell I've powered down and they want to keep climbing longer, basically, I'll just throw the weight vest on and go walk on the treadmill on a high incline because I like haven't done an approach with a pad on that week, you know. Right. If I feel like I'm replacing something I would have otherwise done, then it seems okay to add that work. And it's kind of like sure fun in a messed up way um but if i if i've been climbing outside and doing approaches then i i wouldn't do that i wouldn't add that part i'd just like go lay around or stretch or talk shit right right dude i was gonna send you a video yesterday but it was chaotic in the gym because i went to the gym with my friend and it's i haven't been in the gym in months and i the first time in my life i did a v7 slab like I've wow. never done a V7 slab in the gym ever yeah. in all of my years of climbing in a gym. Like I would just walk by and just fuck that thing. I'm going to go. <laughs> yes. 
but it was amazing i was like all of my outside practice though was like i was like oh that's like it's not that hard like it was actually really Sick. fun to do it like i've been like changing my approach there of like I was pretty psyched about doing it. My friend was like, no, we don't want to do that. I was like, no, like we should do this problem. It looks really cool. And it was actually really cool. Yeah. Awesome. I love the, the, like never walk by a X, you know, like yeah. about that for me, it's like, yeah. it's like never walk by a, an easy highball. You know, if there's like a sick, easy highball, I never walk by that shit. Like if I'm in Squamish, I, I just, right. every time I walk by summer vacation, I'm like, I'm going to go do it. Cause I just can't bring myself to walk by it. If right. you're trying to get better at like mantles and there's like a low to the ground, like boulder it doesn't even have to be like a boulder in the guidebook. Just like never walk by that shit. Just like put your pad down and and like get that little skill that you can like yeah, yeah, yeah. There. practice it. When you were, when yeah. you were gone for after the conference, everyone went out to the ground wall boulders after and mm -hmm. to suit everyone. We just went to like, I don't know exactly know any of the problems, but there was a bunch of V threes to fives and they were, it was low to the ground, you know? So like, did end up doing all of those problems and i was like this is like so much fun my god i don't ever do these fun easier problems yeah that's yeah if you if you took to me if you took two climbers who were climbing like let's say v like nine and one of them like just stays in the gym and climbs on the tension board and they get really really strong at climbing like v8 or nine on tension board and you have the other one go outside and circuit like v3 four five six boulders in like worse conditions and you ask which one of them will have a higher chance at doing a boulder problem of any style like question mark style that climber who's been climbing outside like on easier boulders is going to be way more likely to succeed on any style of climb. Yeah. The climber who's been climbing on the tension board is going to wreck a certain type of boulder and they'll probably climb like one or two grades harder in that style than the other guy. Right. But right, it's right. just that style. It's just, right. it's just the specificist versus generalist. It's yeah. Mm -hmm. Depends on what your, what your goals are really. Which is, it's been so weird to like, see how, how different those boulders are in different areas. And even in the same Canyon where I am, it's been really eye opening to me. Nice. Um, should we move on to the next question? It's a big one. Um, uh oh, big what one. Are, yeah, what are the biggest mistakes people make with their off season training in your guys' view? Most common mistakes. Mm -hmm. Should I play the Jeopardy theme music here? Yeah. I don't have it queued up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, maybe I'm pretty good at editing now. I'll find a way. Okay. Nice. <laughs> oh yeah. That uh, <laughs> just add it in. <laughs> oh, that's hard. I think initially, I think it's too much. Day. Yeah. Too, right. Too much where I want to do this, 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 and I'm going to do this. I'm going to go kayak for 20 minutes or 20 miles. And then we're going on the hikes and then I'm going out and then I'm going to go cycle and I'm going to hike and I've got work. I'm like, yeah. what is your goal? I'm going to like you know? maintain my climbing volume and then just add all my off-season training on top of my existing yeah. climbing volume and not change anything. Right. And you have to sit down and be like, all right, this is a good educational moment, but you have to kind of principally take it in. Be like, all right, what's the easiest, like the 50 mile, I don't know, 40 or 50 mile kayak thing. Like that seems easy, right? But the volume of this and that's going to be really fatiguing. If you're going to do that, great, but really space it away from anything that you actually want to give energy to, like your training or your priorities or your climbing. And so it's not knocking people down at the knees, but kind of helping them understand why this might be inhibiting their goals. How do we adjust expectations if you don't want to give up going, hiking, 10-mile things every day, whatever? Um, and I think that initial conversation is like, hey, I'm paying you this because I want this goal. Here's my life. Like, this goal is not possible. And this is why. But this goal is possible. And this goal is possible if we can rearrange our expectations in our life. But let's find out what you're like, what are you? This goes back to a 
certificate, precision nutrition certification, the, the art of interviewing and blah, blah, blah. But what are you ready, willing, and able to do? Let's establish those things. And then let me translate what that means to you in climbing goals and time frames and what we can do. Because then we're going to be happier. Otherwise, if you're paying me to become a Harry Potter and do magic for you, like you can have your money back, right? I'm not here to hurt people's expectations or or give false lies or to lie to them. So it's one of the first things I try to answer with a new client is, is this a person I need to tell to do things or is this a person you need to tell to do fewer things? Yeah, I would say most of the people I talk to need to do fewer things. I mean, a lot of it's rehab too, but I think just the, just the, the climbing, just doing too much climbing volume inside. Like it's really interesting just by going to the gym one day yesterday and having a couple months where I haven't, or like maybe six weeks that I haven't, like I did so much more volume in that session, not on purpose. It was just like, just easy to do for whatever reason. It's just like fun. You walk from problem to problem, you turn around. It's just like really hard to stay focused in that context. So I think, and another maybe experience I had recently is one of my youth climbing, he's in college now, but he like competed i forget which competition it was maybe youth nationals took second in bouldering maybe i'm probably quoting that wrong i don't know which competition but it was a big one he performed very well he was like psyched i've worked with him for a couple years and then i was like okay we're gonna build him a power phase for outdoor bouldering here because he's kind of tapered off the competition climbing and then he asked me he's like well why is it that some people train so much like climb five six days a week and like we don't climb five six days a week and he's satisfied with his progress knowing that he doesn't need that much climbing volume and there's risks with that. Right. And balancing it out. But it's just like this, like thought that doing more is better is always in every athlete's mm-hmm. back of their mind, uh, kind of fighting against them. Right. And so being able to kind of check yourself or have someone else help provide guidance there, I think is so valuable, whether it's one of us or one, another coach that they have, like making sure that the athlete knows that, their quality of their sessions is heavily influenced by how many sessions they have and how long they are. Right. And paying attention to that is like hugely helpful. And he's learned a lot over the years and like was totally psyched. But that question, I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't really know why. I mean, I know why it's fun, but like, it's, it's totally not necessary. So I would say volume is for sure. Off season problem. People think more is better. Yeah. I think work capacity is like such a, a valid and important thing to try to train and get better at in climbing. It's just, very, very, very hard. Well, I mean, it's not even really likely that you're going to improve your work capacity and increase the intensity or the skill level at which you climb at the same time. It's You kind of want to be trying to do one of those things at a time. And if your goal is to develop more work capacity, then you might get up to climbing five or six days a week, but you kind of have to expect your intensity to come down. I think that's what's like when I, when I watched the world championships, uh, the other, the other week or like a month ago now, it's obvious that the the winning athletes kind of had the best work capacity because they they didn't drop off round to round. They like maintained the same uh, ability to perform round to round, right? Despite doing like more rounds than some of the other climbers. But there's no way they can sustain that year round. They just peaked their training really perfectly for that competition, right? In order to maintain that intensity round to round. But for sure, they need the capacity. That's that's complicated training to set up both of those things and succeed at it. The average that intensity is probably yeah, sure. I would guess seventy five percent of their peak. Maybe, yeah. Boulder and grade anyways, too, right? So it's like really hard to curb that where this athlete was going away from comps into outdoor climbing. It's like, cool, stop doing that much stuff because, you know, simply the the shifting that happens with the volume will limit your ability to climb at your limit. So if you want to climb at your limit, you got to do 
maybe 75, 65% of the volume you've been doing, you really got to taper down. Your power will naturally just like crank up, which is cool. Yeah, yeah for sure. Again, maybe another one that kind of piggies off of that is being okay with what training feels like and then it not being performing and succeeding all the time at your, what would be a performance phase of your red point. Um, I have this, I used to have this conversation a lot with like runners where like, wow, when you go out for a run and then you're training for like a marathon, you're like, oh my God, this feels so hard at five miles. How am I supposed to do it at 26? And if they're running like this is training, training is supposed to suck and kind of feel less than who you could be because we're trying to build you up so that we can increase your potential. If we're always performing, 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 you're not getting better. You're just getting tired and you're going to be fatiguing yourself so there's a and it's hard i think we all do it like we all want to go in and have a training session like wow that hang felt great or wow that boulder repeat felt amazing but sometimes it's kind of suck but that's okay because when you rest and you let the things boil up and then result the way they should when you go outside and when the time comes like oh this this is what all that suck was for it's uh I think that's a hard one too, because people kind of like, oh, I had a bad week. Oh, I had a big week. This felt heavy. This is a high gravity. They like, you know, you have to trust the process, the whole cliche thing, but you know, it's time and making sure that you're just pushing the needle appropriately is ultimately the fastest way to get where you want to go. Yeah, makes sense to me. I think I think these answers are are definitely right on. Um, I think maybe some people climb too much on boards, which just depends a lot on what your gym is like and what your settings like and and what your outdoor goals are. If you're, if you are going back outside for an in-season performance, um, you know, and if that's the case, then you just want to make sure that whatever board you're climbing in is actually similar to the kind of climbing that you want to do in season. But I don't begrudge people climbing on a board just because they don't like the setting at their gym. That's definitely like a valid, valid concern. But yeah, if you live in like the Bay area where you have like 20 gyms you could climb at, then yeah, you basically should be climbing on a board because you like it, not because you know, you think it's most specific to your goals necessarily. It might be. If you're like going to Africa, then yeah, it makes sense to climb on a board. It's so bizarre how like climbing on gym sets, the holds are bigger, but the problems are longer. And so it's more generally fatiguing, but you doing only that will lose a little bit of contact strength and finger strength, but then mm-hmm. only climbing on a board gives you less, obviously three-dimensionality and less movement scale. So it's like, you can't win with either one. Yeah. Like yeah. Somehow you need, you match them together or just like, you know, spend time if possible and like go outside as often as you can, even like year round stuff, which I think yep. is something that like gets missed a lot. And I'm guilty of that, you know, um, as much as anyone where like that, that should be the priority. You know? And luckily we, some people can do that more than others, but it's very weird how the gym setting and the boards kind of like, none of them have all the right, right appropriate tools it's all right. part of a complete breakfast but none of it yep. is is the whole thing the whole enchilada yep. right um not that you'd have an enchilada for breakfast but i probably would <laughs> that sounds amazing actually i mean if, it's uh, an egg, if you put egg in it it's a breakfast food <laughs> true true i i think like my my i have a 45 spray wall and i think my spray wall plus climbing outside like one or two times a week is a very good balance of stuff yeah. um but I've been doing some gym climbing too, just because, because of that, like massive endurance demand, like the gym climbs are always so sustained yeah, and boulders good. outside are almost never that sustained unless they're like notoriously endurancey boulder. And right. I think, yeah. And there's a different kind of problem solving inside too. You just have to like 
pull out on all the holds. You can't like glue your body to the wall the same way that you can outside, at least on granite. So, right. Yeah, it's variable. Yeah, it's hard. And that's always where, you know, it's just like the cardio, like you can't live in zone five. Otherwise, you're going to miss the benefits of what walking will give you. Um, yeah. So the answer is always somewhere in the middle. And I'm sure listeners hate hearing that, but welcome yeah. to being a homo sapien in 2023 in this multiverse. Yeah. So there's very few easy answers. <laughs> I've yeah. been trying to I've been trying to tell people like conceptually to think of when you go to the gym and you have a good session. Like my friend said this to me yesterday after our session and we like, you know, in the gym for at least where I am, the setting is like pretty good for outdoors, you know, setting. And we did some like hard boulders, you know, considering grade wise. And after the session, he was like, Oh, that was a really good session. Like that was a little longer than I'm used to. Like, you know, really fatiguing, like good session. Really what we should say is like, I, I probably need a couple of days off after that session, just because the volume of that session was different than what I've been doing recently. And just from that session, like I'm way more tired today than I was after the outdoor sessions that I've been having and I've been doing back-to-back sessions when I can but like I wouldn't climb today because that session had a different kind of fatigue on my body so when and I usually tell my clients it's okay to have those big long hard fun with your bro sessions but like those sessions instead of like afterwards you're like oh that was a really awesome session you should say wow I need like that was a really long session I need a lot of recovery that was a you know really you know uh, rest required kind of session for a couple of days before you go do it again right? and pay attention to that kind of stuff will help people tremendously with like not getting hurt, but also their performance increasing. Yeah. Big spike in climbing volume is always something to be mindful of for sure. Especially if it's followed by like really high velocity climbing. So like, Oh, I climbed five days last week instead of my normal three. And then I had a moonboard session on Monday. Like, well, yeah. Did you hurt your finger? Probably. Right. Pretty likely in that scenario. Like, yeah, you want to be mindful of that overall velocity. That's an important variable to keep track of for sure. I would say 75% of climbers, that's probably their only sessions though. Mm-hmm. Just like go to the gym, get as tired as you can, trying as hard as you can, repeat. Like that's it. If people could just stop doing that, that would make their power and strength go up automatically with no extra training. Like that's it. There's your answer. Like, <laughs> which is hard to do for some reason. It is. Yeah. It's like a weird all climbing podcasts over. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Done. See ya. But still post that one for the struggle for us. Um, I think it's a conceptual thing too, where if we bring it to like running, we have mileage, even though if you go into the nuance, one person running five miles and the other person running five miles is not the same, but at least you have a lot of numbers and objectivity where a lot of the research shows and it always puts it to that 10% rule where I was reading the new like meta-analysis, as soon as people increased their weekly mileage by 30%, within four weeks, you could find those injuries. Like, it was just a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And so it's just volume, right? We, we know the answer is like, it's volume, it's volume, but we're climbing, it's very hard to quantify because even one of the questions, I think in the portal one time I was useful or intriguing was, you know, we want to try and quantify volume, but then how do we mix in the quant- or into that quantity like skill work? You know, I have my finger training at this, right? It all fills the same bucket. And I think the hardest thing, which I don't know if we'll ever have an answer to is, are we going to get like this objectivity in numbers? Unless you're really, really good at counting your hand moves, but everyone kind of like, oh, I'm going to go for 10. Oh, I fell off. Oh, I get back on real quick. You know, there's so much, the water's a little muddy when it comes to really pinning down volume week to week. And if anything, we can track. But again, that's the thing is, we just have to look it, back at that. Yeah, it's it's just something you have to become intuitively aware of. I think all 
all athletes have to develop this no matter what their sport is. Like if you're a runner, yeah, you can track your mileage week to week, but like, what if you're a runner and you have a kid, like right now you have a baby in the house, you're, you're definitely not going to be able to run the same miles that you were running the month before. Right. Or if you're depending on, you know, if you're the husband and your wife was pregnant, then I'm sure the later stages of pregnancy, you probably weren't doing the same miles that you were doing the year before or whatever. And if you were, then those same miles have a different stress on your body, right? Cause we respond to, to the workout a little bit differently when we're under more stress. So like, even in a sport like running, I think it's, it's going to be slightly different all the time and you have to develop an intuitive awareness for how recovered you are. So like, there are like the, the whoop straps that you can wear, you know, and you can get some, some data to support those, those claims. Like I wore one for a while. And mostly what I learned was how to trust my intuition. Cause I was always pretty dead on with how, at least according to the thing, how like recovered I was or not. Um, and those, those can be valuable, but for the most part, I think you just want to learn to pay attention to it. Like Tyler, you, you definitely knew at the end of that gym session that you had like run the tank really low, right? It's not like, it's not like it's a surprise to you when you're in the gym for two and a half hours and you haven't really stopped climbing or taking your shoes off. You're like, well, yeah, that's a long, yeah, I've been going hard. Well, yeah. the other thing that's funny that I was actually going to mention, it's funny you said that is I was done like this other problem. My friend wanted to work again. We finished that problem and I took my shoes off. He's like, oh, are we done? I was like, oh, yeah, I'm done. He's like, oh, I might want to go do this other thing over here. Like this one, I want to see if I can repeat it, whatever. He's like, oh, you should come try this. I was like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll put my shoes on. So like I went and did this other harder boulder, but like I but the actual quality of sending the boulder was shit. Like it was me pretty much relying on my upper body strength, not really having good footwork, not really having good body position, but I could still complete the boulder. And so that's like so important for athletes. And it was still a hard boulder for me but it wasn't really good qualitative outcome mm-hmm. like of like me learning skills from doing that boulder. It was me just thrashing and relying on my strength, which is like yeah. me, my biggest problem anyways. Right. So it's like paying attention to that. I think like my session should have been over probably 20 or 30 minutes earlier than it was, but this was like a friend I haven't climbed with in months and we are just hanging out, you know, and you just like, don't pay attention to that stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it's good and it's totally worth it. And I say this to my clients all the time, like, if you, if you really want to do that boulder, if it's the end of the weekend, you know, and you can't come back next weekend or whatever, or it's a really long drive or you're on a trip or whatever. Yeah. Like go get it, man. Like send the boulder for sure. But if this is just another gym session in a series of a million gym sessions, yeah, you're just stealing gratification from your next session to try to send that boulder at the end of this session, right? Just end the session earlier and have a higher quality session next week. It's going to, it's a way better for your climbing in the long run. Sometimes it's worth it. Not always. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like an ego thing. Cause like my friend that I climb with, like I climb harder than him a little bit, but we climb kind of the same grades, but it's like, Oh yeah, I want to do the boulder. Right. And so you like, got to do the boulder, which is like, you know, yeah. another, another thing that I've actually gotten away from a lot outside, like, cause I usually go by myself, which is great. I don't have that distraction, which sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's a distraction. So, yeah. All right. Should we hit the final question? Um, oh, damn, we got one more. Yeah. Sorry. Which is, uh, this should be a, a quickie. Um, what do you guys think about taking regular deload weeks during off-season training? And what do you guys think about tapering for a performance season? I think um, when scheduled, especially for like big trips, maybe, I think it's it works. We do that a lot where Tyler's taught a lot about people getting i think too anxious about running their training right up to the point they want to perform and then they kind of take away because they fatigue themselves where realistically and depending upon the amount of climbing you're doing big wall versus boulder and sport climbing 
three to 10 days, it's probably not going to do anything. If anything, it's going to help you. Um, mm-hmm. So I think being thoughtful about that over the course of calendar years, if we're talking about deloads, I think if you want to, it probably works. But if you're a regular human like all of us, you're going to have some vacation. You're going to have some weeks that don't go to well. So the deloads kind of mix themselves in there. And so again, I think having some intuition about when those things happen and what you can kind of play like, okay, I had a, a like Labor Day week this week. Went to shit. I don't know what I did, but all right, Monday or Tuesday, you know, now I'm going to get back to training. There was my deload, right? So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of like my theories on it. I usually program them kind of regularly between training program cycles if we're doing it structured. Um, If it's before a big trip, like Colin says, I've had some really good success having people take a week off, 10 days off, and that only increases their power output. Certainly that depends on the athlete and whether they're bouldering or sport climbing, et cetera. But I would also say for me right now, like I don't plan on doing that because right now my recovery is between outdoor sessions is my my fatigue isn't massive. And so I, I should be able to roll that right into the season with no need for taking a deload week. So if athletes are kind of at a, and if it's like a fixed Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I climb in the gym and I'm always pushing myself at my limit at the gym, like I did before going to Squamish, I took a week off before that trip because I think that's a good idea. Just giving your fingers more than anything, a recovery. But if like I'm using kind of the strategy that I'm using now where it's not all really fingery. I don't plan on doing that and don't think there's a real need for it. Yeah. That makes sense. So that's a uh, per person, of course. Totally. Yeah. I don't, I don't often do them in my own training, but because I've been doing such a weight training focused season, I've been deloading every fourth week and I've, and that's been working pretty well. I've also been like changing up the way that I deload each time I do a deload week, which has been kind of interesting. Like, I, like some of them I'll cut the intensity, some of them I'll cut the volume, just trying to figure out like what works best for me. Cause I'm definitely yeah. going to keep doing those deload weeks through my performance season since I'm weight training twice a week, which I haven't done before. And I, I want to make sure I don't get too fatigued. Yeah. And then the taper, I think that that's really complicated, especially if you live somewhere like me and like, wait, well, yeah, no idea when the actual season will arrive. Like we had what we had like one sub 70 degree day with no rain in here in Leavenworth otherwise it's like back up to 81 or whatever so it's like the season could start next week the season could start six weeks from now so like I'm not going to taper without knowing that but if you know if we if I feel like we're starting to hit those good temps I'll definitely like um drop my like deload my weight training in advance you know at at the very least like maybe like schedule a deload week uh not on my regular four-week cycle but just like whenever I notice the temps are starting to get good I'll like immediately take a deload week that week and just like see if I can at least come into the season a little bit less fatigued than I otherwise would be. What do you guys think about um, like full weeks off, like taking off like, you know, two weeks at the beginning of summer or like two weeks at, at the holiday season? I think if you're a human being stressed and working and whatnot, again, if they take two weeks off, even from a year round sport, which climbing is becoming, um, which other sports in the research and those recommending, you know, bodies of authority, they're like, you need some time off. Like you can't play field hockey all year round. That kind of mm-hmm. defeats the purpose of the, the old school, like don't specialize. They're like, well, you know, you just do too much, right? It's all about doing too much. Um, so I, I think if it happens, you'll be fine. One of those things, um, especially if it's to enjoy your family more to just, Maybe you just need a mental break, which I think is undervalued too. If you're someone who's 
beating their head against a project or beating their head against trying to figure out training and life and work all at the same time. Sometimes you just need to go to Aruba for two weeks, reset, come back, get it done. You know, don't get wasted. Don't get wasted. Yeah. Don't don't, don't, don't drink the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Don't black out the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe one night, but yeah, I think time off from anything psychologically it's useful as long as it's not deterring. It's not like derailing you from your ultimate direction. I think is a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. I think in terms of performance has zero negative consequences. Taking two weeks off and doing nothing will hurt nobody. No athlete that's used to regular training loads. I don't think it's till until you're like significantly doing less stuff for maybe three to four weeks where you're going to, or more than a month is when you start losing the repeat bout effect. And when it comes to like muscle stretching and calcium ion buildup and like all the eccentric stuff with climbing, you would get more sore when you return. And so the downside there is if it's like a competitive athlete or they take too much time off and then they get prepared to go on a trip, they will have less quality sessions because when they get back, their sessions will be further apart because they can't tolerate the volume. So at some point it becomes counterproductive on you know, the four, the finger flexors and the elbow flexors for climbing performance, but a week or two off has zero negative impact on an athlete. Yeah. Yeah. So two weeks, basically no reason, no reason not to, right. No. Not required to, there's no reason not to. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And then people also always ask me like, uh, you know, either they're doing their first strength training block or they're, they're taking two weeks off cause they're going on vacation. And they'll ask me like, what, how do I like get back into climbing or how do I like go into my climbing outside? And the answer to all these transition questions is like, you just go do that thing, just start doing it and just be aware that your volume and the familiarity is going to be like a little bit lower. So you're going to be able to tolerate less of it than you otherwise would, you know, if it was like more normal. So if it's like your first strength training phase and and you're going into the season, just go start climbing outside. Just, you're going to be, it's going to be a little different. You're going to be a little more tired. You have to like learn how to, to use this strength that you've accumulated in the weight room. And that does take time, but Otherwise, there's like no, there's no recipe. There's no like magic thing you need to do. And if you take two weeks off, you don't need to do anything special to go back to climbing. You just start climbing again and it'll feel a little bit harder for like a session or two and then it'll be normal. Yeah. I would say the greater the training age on the athlete, the less there is a yeah. like a time to get back to normal performance. Like I don't know what podcasts I've talked about it on. One of my clients took, a, you know, 10 days off unintentional for going on a party trip to Vegas and then had a, a a family member pass away. So it was like 10 days of no loading, no, doing nothing. And he went back to the gym and like sent a V10 on, almost sent a V10 on the moon board. And he's like, holy shit, like I've never sent a V10 on the moon board. And then I talked to him recently after and he's like, what should we do with my training? I was like, you're not going to do anything for the next couple of weeks, but send on the moon board. And he did like 10 or seven V10s, like wow. just totally killed it. Like he's like, what the fuck? Why is my power so high? And it really was because all the training volume stuff we do makes your muscles more efficient, but they're less powerful and snappy. So he just got really snappy. All those gains just like culminated to this peak and he just like totally killed it with that. So like a lot of times people will see an improvement in their performance. It might take them a session or two to get fully back on the horse, but it'll happen for sure. Yeah. And and as far as training age goes, like my, my climbing age is getting up close to 20 years and, and I have bouldered for a lot of that. And like, other than maybe my skin isn't fully conditioned, I, I pretty much just go outside when the temps start getting good and it feels exactly like it did before. I don't feel like I need any transition time. I'm just like, yeah, I'm outside. I've been climbing an icicle canyon here for like a really long time. So it's right. very familiar. If you were climbing in some new area, 
like I'm sure if I came down to Little Cottonwood, it's like the granite's a little different. The area's a little different. You would probably be great. Different. Yeah, you'd I'd probably, probably be great. Well. Yeah. yeah. If you went to like, you know, you've been to Joe's, but if you went to like Moe's, that would be a little different than the style, but a little bit more powerful, yeah. but you would still perform yeah. well there. You know? Yeah, my gecko skin doesn't really work on sandstone, so it's not yeah. quite as good, but yeah. Yeah. Cool. Any final thoughts about uh, off-season training? That was all my questions. Um, Thanks for letting sure, guest host. Make sure people podcast. fuel properly. You know, make sure people fuel properly. Like if you're out all day, refuel. Like you got to keep eating food. Like if you got long bouldering sessions, like take food. You know, if if we ever get to the point where we can um, market and what's the word I'm looking for? Block our intellectual property for the uh, lollies with the climbing lollies the pre-workout <laughs> lollies we'll get those in your hands <laughs> yeah apnea bouldering yeah yeah perfect <laughs> we'll get those rolling but i think Hilarious. people need to refuel they don't like you know refueling is important i think for outdoor sessions for performance obviously yeah yeah it's yeah. overlooked it does and it's not just about replacing the calories that you're burning it's there's hormone signaling you're yeah. like telling your body that there's energy coming and that allows your body to try a little bit harder and if you don't know what i'm talking about go follow uh Tom Herbert, useful coach, talks about it all the time. Yeah. Just to fuel appropriately in general, too. Like, if you're trying to build a race car and you're putting like honey inside that tank, it's not going fast. You need that 93, that octane, you know. So make sure you're eating, hydrating while you're training, but also don't that's like good fuel. Damn right they are. And uh, oh, my favorite, Uncrustables have been my go-to at the crag. Ooh. Real simple. Oh, those I actually, I do, I do think pure sugar is really good for bouldering too. Like oh, yeah. if I'm way in between tries, if I'm taking long rest between tries, I'll for sure eat some gummy bears. Oh, maybe that's a good snack. What's, let's do that. What's your favorite, like, you know, bouldering snack? Like that sugar. Dude, I, I, I go to Winco. I don't know if you guys have Winco where you're, you're at, but uh, yeah. like a food it's like a cheap food store that has a big bulk section. I go there and they just have like 50 kinds of like gummy, like candies in the bulk section. And I just get a massive plastic bag of but like what's the gummy one? sharks or whatever. Oh, uh, so gummy sharks are your favorite? Gummy sharks, sour, sour patch kids, like gummy worms. Right now I have like some, some sour, like tart rope things. Yeah. Whatever. Doesn't, oh, sick. it's just, it's just pure. It's like sugar and corn syrup. It's terrible for you, but it's, it's good. Like burst of energy. If I'm trying to send something. I always tell my kids terrible for you only in the sense that it's a big dose in a small package really quick. Yeah. Right. But there's like, yeah. I don't like the bad for you thing, but mine is like twin snakes. You had those? No. What's this, twin this, the, the sweet sour, like twin snakes, Harbro, oh. I think is the brand. Ooh, those are, oh, okay. That's my guy. Nice. What's yours? You know? Oh yeah. What I call? Yeah. Um, so it's been the combination of the uncrustables and just like a Welch's fruit snack. Nice. I could smack Welch's fruit snacks so easily. What flavor? Pro, pro tip though. They, Go ahead. Oh, uh, usually they're like mixed. So it's like a the grape and strawberry and like orange. Uh, oh yeah, I like the grape ones for sure. Yeah. I was gonna say if you're if you do if you eat sugar in your weight training sessions too, which I do. I guess I'm a sugar junkie, but like <laughs> I'll get the I'll get the gummy bears out and I'll like line them up for each set, you know. <laughs> and then i eat like one gummy bear per set because then i don't have that's to count it. that's that's a good youtube video idea for sure <laughs> it's just like the gummy bears like <laughs> it's like a it's like a gummy bear abacus you know <laughs> <laughs> that's that's awesome and then you could put like a sniffing salt on the side of the gummy bear when it gets to the end set so when it gets oh, yeah. so you can go hard
That's funny. Cool. <laughs> That's mega. All right, we'll we'll chat soon about other things and uh, YouTube video stuff. But people that are listening, we're going to do a Patreon here soon, so watch out for that as well. Yeah, right on.